0: How I feel about the NCAA tournament, how I should feel. The South Brackets' final four teams are the five seed, the seven seed, the nine seed, and the 11 seed. Kentucky is the five, and they're going to get to the final four by beating a 12, a 13, a nine, and either a seven or an 11. That's ridiculous. The one and two seeds have also been eliminated in the West. That's ridiculous. The 16 seed beating a one UMBC over Virginia, that's ridiculous. You want upsets, but you want good teams too. This tournament doesn't have very many good teams. But it could be worse. You could be on the gateway clipper and be attacked by a bobcat. Did you see that? Somehow a wild bobcat got on the clipper and was captured. I love riding the gateway clipper, but not the hunt big game. Yikes. This is the Mark Madden Show. I am what's causing all this. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. We got a lot to cover today. The three finalists for the coaching job at Aliquippa High School Football have been announced. They are all black men and one is the son of a school board member who helped lead the push to get the white coach who won all the time fired. Mike Zemanik. And all that's okay, I guess. I'm just saying what happened. Sean Gilbert... The former NFL player went to Pitt, played at Aliquippa, has very little coaching experience, but he's a finalist. His mom, Eileen Gilbert, is on the school board, so do draw your own conclusions. I'll talk about that more in just a bit. Nine players want to transfer away from Pitt basketball. Yikes. Then again... They stink, so maybe that's good. Arizona got knocked out early in March Madness, so maybe Pitt can hire Sean Miller to coach. Maybe Miller gets fired by Arizona. More on that a bit later. Pitt might have to use walk-ons next year. Really, walk-ons to play actual minutes in ACC games. They got nobody left to play. The Steelers signed an inside backer, John Bostick, from Indy. He's pretty good. But him and Bince won't be enough at inside backer, and they still got to fix the safety position. I guess they got to do it through the draft because they ain't got much cap room left to sign any more free agents. I saw Death Wish, the remake with Bruce Millis. If you want blood... You got it. So let's get going here. Four one two three 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 W X D X. The number to call. Twitter at Mark uh, The Penguins with a bit of a surprise roster move today. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, they were off over the weekend. Philadelphia beat Washington yesterday six to three. New Jersey lost to Anaheim yesterday four to two. So in the Metro Division. Washington is first with 89 points, Pittsburgh second with 87, Philadelphia third with 85, Columbus fourth with 83. Philadelphia's played one more game than the other three teams. So the Penguins aren't far from first place. They're not far from a wild card either. Uh, Carter Rowney is going to be out hurt for a while. So Josh Juris got called up. That could turn out to be good for the Penguins. Juris played a couple games with the Penguins a couple weeks back, and he looked better than Ronnie. Not great, but better than Ronnie. And that's all he has to be is better than Ronnie. Ronnie is out of that jabroni guy adrenaline. Maybe Juris has some of that going for him, and like Ronnie, he's a right-handed face-off option. The big news from the weekend is that Matt Murray practiced Again, practice today. So he could play tomorrow at Brooklyn. Coach Mike Sullivan said that is an option. Here's the odd roster move. The Penguins today sent goalie Tristan Jari to wilkes barry and that keeps Casey DeSmith as the backup. That tells me one thing that's good and one thing that's bad. The good is... Murray's almost certainly going to play tomorrow because if he's okay to back up, he's okay to start. The bad thing is the Penguins appear to think Casey DeSmith is a better choice for backup goalie than Tristan Jari. And if they think that, they are wrong. So anyway, Murray probably in the net tomorrow at Brooklyn unless they save him for Wednesday at home against Montreal. You got 10 games left in the regular season. Murray should play six, unless you're more worried about home ice and seating than I am. Then I suppose you could play Murray seven or eight games. Got another viewing party coming up. It's at Danny's Bar and Grill in Westview. That's tomorrow night with Bud Light, the Penguins at New York Islanders, the Super Genius at Danny's Bar and Grill in Westview. Watch the game with Double M tomorrow at Danny's Bar and Grill. Right on the main drag, Center Avenue in Westview. four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. Staying with the Penguins. There's an article at TheAthletic.com saying Shane should play on the top line. Wing with Sid and Gensel. That's just silly. That's not what you got Shane to do. Shane's supposed to be the best fourth line center in the league, not the worst top line winner in the league. Just put Rust or Hornquist with Sid and Gensel and be done with it. This is an easy decision that's being way overthought. And has been overthought by various Penguin coaches over a number of years. But Shane, like I said, supposed to be the best fourth-line center in the league. Not the worst top-line winger. The general managers talked about goalie interference at the GM meetings. Colin Campbell, the absolute idiot who oversees NHL Hockey Ops, says the problem is that the goalies are diving. Not because the rule is totally ambiguous to the point of being understood by nobody. Campbell says it's the goalies diving. Colin Campbell is an absolute blockhead, always has been. The fact that he has ever had a position of responsibility in the NHL's league office, let alone as long as he has, that is all the people need to know. Whatever the NHL decides on goalie interference should lead to more goals, period. That's how I see it. In a few moments, we're going to talk about John Bostic, the inside linebacker signed by the Steelers. Mark Kabali of The Athletic just tweeting that the Steelers hosted safety Michael Thomas from the Dolphins, a free agent today. But he left without a contract, so to quote Kabali, on to the next one. If they leave, they're generally not coming back. There have been exceptions, but uh, I'm hard-pressed to think of many, if any. Uh, Tiger Woods finished eight strokes back in the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Orlando. Uh, He was tied for fifth. That's still pretty good. And as the Masters beckons, Tiger is sticking perfectly to my script. He's making a run. He's contending. But he's not winning. He's coming up just a bit short, and that is what's best for business. Rory McIlroy, one. Tyrone Liu has left the Cleveland Cavaliers for a week due to health concerns. He's the coach. It's mental health concerns, I'd bet, because LeBron drives him nuts. We got Bob Grove talking Penguins at 3.30 we got Phil Bork talking Penguins at 4.30. Like I said, I'm going to talk about the Steelers' new inside backer, John Bostick. That's in just a few moments. Some very sad news to report. Greg Polis passed away today, the former Penguins left winger. He was 67. He was a three-time NHL All-Star for the Penguins and scored two goals to win the MVP of the 1973 All-Star Game, and boy, was that a big deal here in Pittsburgh at the time. Uh, Greg Polis was my favorite player as a kid. I had a number 22 jersey, posters, the whole nine yards. I got to reconnect with Greg when he came back for the closing of Mellon Arena in 2010. He was on the show. I had a beer with him after the game that night, and it was just such a treat for me. Uh, Greg was a good player. And a good guy. He also played for the New York Rangers, uh, Washington, and St. Louis. But Greg Polis always thought of himself as a penguin. I thought my childhood died a long time ago, but it died all over again today. So, Greg Polis, R.I.P. It's the Mark Madden Show on 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Finishing his checks, causing a constant commotion. Hey, Mr. Van, how you doing? Sometimes I'm so damn dumb, I wouldn't take a phone call from me. DX at 105.9. Uh, to repeat the breaking news, Tristan Jari sent to Wilks. That means Casey dismissed the backup. And I guess it means Murray's going to play tomorrow night at Brooklyn, but I would think Murray's not going to play two games in a row, so DeSmith will play Wednesday against Montreal have they really concluded that Casey DeSmith's a better goaltender right now than Tristan Jari, or are they sending Jari down to play games at Wilkes? and then you call him back up to be the backup in the playoffs? The timing indicates to me it's that they think the Smith is better than Jari, because they wouldn't send Jari down today when he would be likely to play a game either tomorrow or Wednesday, given that the Penguins are going back-to-back away and then home. Uh, not very often do I disagree with the decision made by uh, Rutherford and Sullivan, but here I disagree. I think uh, Jari is a better goalie than Casey DeSmith. I think Casey DeSmith's okay as a number three. He's better than Zatkoff was, and Zatkoff played a couple playoff games and won one of them to begin that championship run in 2016. Oh, thanks to Brian McGee, who works locally for the Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, because thanks to him, I now have sitting in my studio 10 12-packs of Diet Right Pure Zero Cherry Cola. That's 120. I managed to find uh, one 12-pack. Actually, uh, I wish I could remember his name. Somebody was nice enough when I was at the Boulevard in Greensburg. For Penn's viewing party last Thursday, dropped off a 12-pack. A coach at Westmoreland Hawk. I remember that. So, I've drank uh, three cans. So right now, I have at my disposal 129 cans of Diet Right Pure Zero Cherry Cola, and I am happy about that. Okay, Steelers. The Steelers signed this Bostic guy, an inside backer. He was with Indianapolis last year. Uh, a decent player on a bad team. Uh, Bostic was third on the Colts in tackles with 57. He had 40 assists on top of that. I like that signing. Bostick is a journeyman. This is his fifth organization in a uh, brief career. But I think he could play a, a little bit. The Steelers will draft an inside backer in the first round and draft a safety at some point and probably figure out a way to sign a safety in free agency, and then the Steelers will be set, or at least as set as they're going to be, uh, with a defense that probably still isn't good enough. But this is how the Steelers do it. Build through the draft, keep your own guys, sign a few, few peripheral players out of free agency, and it mostly works. Although the Steelers' best athlete available notion is off the table for the upcoming draft because when you're a legitimate Super Bowl contender with holes to fill, you've got to use the draft to fill those holes. But I do like the Bostick signing. In a nutshell, here's what scouting reports say about Bostick. He's good against the run, hard hitter, cleans up the piles. He's not quick. He needs to wrap up better. He tackles too often with his shoulder, which means he'll fit right in with the Steelers. Uh, He had a bum knee that caused him to miss uh, the last two games of the season in 2017, but he says he's okay. He says he's not here to replace Shazier. He said that today in his uh, introductory press conference here in Pittsburgh. Young man, that's exactly what you're here to do. If you're saying you can't be the player... He was okay, but uh, the job description hopes you can replace Shazier, or at least be part of a tandem or triumvirate that replaces Shazier. You, Benson, whoever the first-round draft pick is. The signing of Bostick does ignite the debate. What would you rather have for $14 million? Just Levy on Bell? Or would you rather have... Carlos Hyde at running back, and Tyrone Matthew at safety for the same amount of money, about 14 mil. That's not doable now, obviously. Hyde signed with Cleveland. Matthew signed with Houston. But which would have helped the Steelers more, especially especially given that we don't know when Bell's showing up? I think the Steelers should have found a way to sign Matthew. I think he could have been a real difference maker. Oh, this just tweeted by Post-Gazette Sports. Bostick says he's underrated in pass coverage. Okay, that's what you say, Bostick, but most Scots say you're not that good at pass coverage. I'm hoping you're right, though. I really am hoping you're right. Uh, I was watching the NHL Network last night, and some idiot said that in the playoffs, defense beats offense, unquote. And I'm like, what have you been watching the last two years? The cliches have changed, dingus. The Penguins changed the cliches. Mike Johnson said that. He couldn't find his rectum with a funnel as far as hockey is concerned. It amazes me. Like, Like I said before, Colin Campbell, who's a total ass bag, has had an important position in the NHL for decades. He's hockey ops now. And he was a GM and a coach before that. How does a nitwit like that survive that long for big-time money and big-time jobs in the NHL? And in the case of Mike Johnson, I have no idea how he got on the NHL network even for a second. Bob Grove up next, 105.9. This is Evgeny Malkin, and you are listening to Mark Madden on five. Nine at x quick update it looks like tristan jari had to go back to wilkes because he was brought back as an emergency recall now that murray is uninjured jari has to be the guy to go back down however temporarily joining me now he covers the penguins for pittsburgh hockey now one of the most knowledgeable people to ever cover the penguins he is bob grove Grove, uh, grover some sad news to start out with uh, Greg Polis was my favorite penguin as a kid, and he passed today. Passed away today at sixty-seven years old. What are your memories of Greg Polis?
1: Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Mark, and uh, I know that uh, as you and I have talked through the years, I remember you saying what a big fan um, you were of his. Um, and it's hard when you see uh, when you see that happen. So our condolences to his, to his family and friends. Of so my, my memories of him are. Just, you know, as a guy on left wing who uh, I thought was a pretty consistent scorer. I mean, he's a guy who had some great skill around the net, a really good finisher. And, um, you know, I remember the big game he had in Philadelphia whenever they were driving for the playoffs in 1972, and the big the big goal he scored to get a tie in Philly before they went on to clinch the the playoff spot. So he was a really, uh, he was a pretty solid player for the Penguins.
0: Yep, all-star game MVP and the Penguins' yeah. first 30-goal score. Uh, moving more current. It looks like matt murray is just about ready to return from his concussion how would you rate murray's play this season grover because his numbers are kind of average
1: they are it's been a mixed bag i mean i i thought he was just okay early in the season i didn't think he had quite the consistency that he had uh, that we had come to see late last season and of course then through the playoffs and i thought he had some really great games followed by some not so great games so it was really a mixed bag but i will say that you know, since his father passed away, and since he's come back from that mark, I think he's been—I think he's gotten his game to a different level. I really do. I think so. I think he's been much, much better, you know, uh, in the last uh, month and a half than he was early in the season for sure.
0: I think Murray's played okay, and I think he has played better since coming back after the death of his father. And the style the Penguins play, Grover, the goalie's got to do a-, a bit more work. That said, I think Murray does have another gear he needs to find. How about you?
1: Oh no! I don't think there's any question. I mean, he's he is such an important figure right now in what what the Penguins are going to accomplish you know, in the postseason. Um, and you can say that about every goalie on every team, but you know, as we all know, um there's a there's a big drop off between him and the guys behind him that wasn't there last the last couple seasons in the Stanley Cup runs that the Pens went on. So it's it's all about him when you get to the postseason. And yeah, I mean, that's a good point because look, it's you know the quality of chances they're giving up mark are just they're too good uh and so you know and they've only got seven defensemen I, I i think they should have got somebody else at the deadline to have eight bodies to create that little more internal competition and uh maybe be able to move guys in and out when you don't see them performing well uh defensively um so uh he's going to he's going to have to be really really good and stay healthy for the penguins to have a shot
0: who should play wing with Sid and Gensel, and why is that still a debate now in March? Oh, I
1: know. I mean, you know what? I just wonder how Sid really feels about all this because I mean, he just—it's just a constant merry-go-round of players playing over there. You know, it's Gensel and Sherry, it's Gensel and Rust, and it's then it's Hornquist. Um, you know, and I think it shows in some of his numbers. Quite frankly, I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, Gensel's not been. Um, that consistent this season. Certainly Sherry's not been that consistent this season. Rust has been so much better, you know, they, since he's come back from his injury. Uh, but traditionally hasn't played great with Sid. Uh, here's what I think, Mark. I think eventually you just have to put Hornquist back with him. And because he, he, you know, that gives him some stability. He knows what to expect. He's played a lot of games with him. Played Gensel on the other side, put Hornquist there, And and you know maybe move Rust onto uh, onto the Malkin line if that's the way you're going to work it because I just think he needs to have some predictability uh, because I don't see him getting the puck in as many good
0: scoring positions as I think he should and uh, I think it's hurt his production. What's happened to Connor Sherry who does still have 14 goals? Grover, does he have a place in the lineup come playoff time?
1: Uh, I'm telling you, he he probably yeah. I, I think the answer is yes, he does. But we'll see if you know how soon Aston Reese comes back and what he plays like down the stretch if he does get back. So I would guess that sure he does have a place in the lineup, but I don't know where. To be honest with you, I mean I don't see him. He's just you just for me. I don't know what to expect of him from night in and night out. I just don't. He he tends to get goals in bunches. We know he's not a good defensive player. I mean he gets benched the other night in New York. And it was not long after he had a shift where he literally was just standing around the defensive zone when the Rangers had the puck and he couldn't find anybody covering. He wasn't doing anything, and I know that's that's what got him glued to the bench after that. And um, you know, uh, so I don't know that playing him on Sid's line is the answer because that line, even last year, tended to give up. You know, they give up their fair share of goals as well as scoring them. But you could live with it if you were if you knew what you were going to get from him night after night. And he was going to convert chances. He has trouble holding passes, which I've noticed a lot this season. So. If
0: he has a place, uh, it might be further down the lineup. Is Sid playing as well as he should be, Grover? I think he's playing well. I think his production's lagging just a tad.
1: It is for some of the reasons that I talked about. I think he's. I think he's been fine. I I mean, I really. I mean, you know, he's had a couple of games here or there where you haven't noticed him that much. But I mean, everybody has those. Again, I'm going to go back to his line mates. You know, is he getting the puck? in positions that, where he expects to get it. When he makes passes, are they receiving them? Are, are they converting them? You know, and the answer for me is uh, they're doing it sometime, but nowhere near as consistently as you'd like to have guys do that when they're playing with Crosby. So uh, I think the constant merry-go-round of line mates for him is his production. I, I really generally don't have any problem with his game right now.
0: We're talking to Bob Grove. He covers the Penguins for Pittsburgh Hockey now. Uh, how would you rate Gino's chances at MVP yeah. Uh, right now, Nathan McKinnon is making a late push.
1: Oh, has he been? A, he's been incredible. Uh, I mean, I like Hall, I like McKinnon, and I like Malkin. Look, Kucherov, if he wins the scoring title, or even you know, if he doesn't, is going to get a, he's going to get a bunch of votes as a scoring leader, or somebody near the top always does. I'm sure Ovechkin's going to get some for propping up a Caps attack with all the players they lost in the off season, and he's had a good goal scoring year. But Malkin's second half has just been it's just been incredible and i love the way malkin is um for me if you're watching him every night he's playing he's playing in the defensive zone he's using his body uh to get the team involved and get himself involved in games which i like so there's no coasting going on with him uh and he's just been putting up points but mckinnon my god that that colorado team was so bad last year just so completely uncompetitive and he has just taken them to a different level. And I think Taylor Hall's done, you know, a lot of a very similar thing in New Jersey. I think all those guys are good candidates. But hey, here's the thing, Mark. You know it's going to hurt Gino? Is he plays on a, a two time defending Stanley Cup champion with some great players? And I think that eventually is going to hurt him. It shouldn't, but it
0: probably will. See, the one guy you mentioned I can't support as a candidate is Taylor Hall. Uh, I, I, he's like 12th in the league in scoring and the Devils are the A-seed in the East. I, I think he has to do a bit better and the team needs to do a bit better. Well, I mean, he, look, he's a guy who... This New Jersey team has been... is.
1: Been completely redone by Cheryl and I think he's done a good job of it. Um, you know, he's turned them into a, a team that can play with speed and they have a lot more skill. I, mean, I love what sure brings to them, but if you look at the drop off in scoring from him to the next guy in the lineup, I mean, it's just immense. I mean, yes, they're down at the bottom of, you know, they're, where they're sitting eighth right now, but they'd be out of a playoff spot without him and it wouldn't even be close. So I think that streak he went on has um, just has just been has been a difference maker, and I agree with people, Mark. I don't know how you feel about it, but I mean, if your team can't get to the playoffs, I have a hard time start casting MVP votes for anybody on that team because you can't even get in the tournament. You know what I mean? So you know, a guy like Connor McDavid would be an example. Great season, but you know, I don't know how many people are going to vote for him for MVP.
0: Well, I totally agree. I can't give an MVP vote to a guy who doesn't make the playoffs then again ever since lemieux had 90, 199 points in 1989 and 31 more points and goals than gretzky and gretzky got mvp yeah i don't trust the process i think there's too many people that have votes that have agendas they indulge
1: yeah i think i would agree with that and i think to be honest with you, I think that you see that even with some of the other trophies. Forget about the MVP. I mean, I think you see it definitely for the Norris. I think you see it, um, you know, for the uh, there There's absolutely... There, look, it's just like when we see the Baseball Hall of Fame and all the um, voters and all the controversy that goes with it. There's just too many guys who don't take the job of voting for these trophies seriously enough, Mark. They just don't. A lot of guys do. And I'm not going to paint everybody with the same brush. A lot of them do. But a lot of them are just they're just given, you know, the answers by rote to, to players they're familiar with, and they don't really sit down and think it through. I've seen that for years going on.
0: Is the Penguins' defense good enough? Uh, as you mentioned, they're short in numbers by at least one. I'd feel a lot more comfortable with eight, but in terms of yeah. personnel and talent, do you feel comfortable with this group?
1: Well, uh, not as comfortable as I was last year. If I was them, to be honest with you, because look, I mean, you, you're looking at your bottom pairing, and you got Ruwido in there, and he's been okay. I mean, I don't have a problem with him, but um, you know, he's also gotten beat a few times. Like I think sometimes he doesn't read plays exactly the way you want him to, and we all know Hunwick's struggled to to make an impact on this team the entire season. And so, you know, you're going to have injuries. So Hunwick is going to be in the lineup eventually, Um, and so you're going to have a couple of guys who are um, you know maybe you know a, a little bit of a downgrade from last year. So I I think I think it's okay. That defense, and I think the key mark for me is going to be how much of the forward's willing to help them out. They're going to have to, if they can get back to you know going after guys on the back check like they did all through last season and really be aggressive about it and make sure that they're keeping their responsibility defensively, they're going to have to help this defense.
0: How are the standings going to fall? Because there's still a race big time. Uh, eight points separate first and fourth in the Metro. I don't see it happening, Grover, but the Penguins could very easily wind up a wild card. They could.
1: They absolutely could. You know, now, it's weird for them to have a game in hand on anybody, but they do in Philadelphia, even though they have a two-point lead on them. But Columbus, I mean, my God, that's been the hottest team in in, in the division, really. I mean, they're playing their best hockey of the season, and um, they're only four points behind, and you have a game against them the last week of the season. And you have a game against the Flyers, and you have a game against the Capitals, so... Ten games left, six of them at home. Um, It's it's laid out for you to to make your your case to win the division, and I think it'll be important because as we talked about this before too, Mark. I, I think getting home ice. I think it's generally I feel home ice gets overrated a bit in the playoffs, but I think it's important for this Pittsburgh team because if you look at all 16 teams that are sitting in a playoff spot right now in the NHL, the Penguins have the worst road record among them. This will be the first year, unless they win their last four road games, this will be the first year since Crosby's rookie year that they finished under 500 on the road. They've just not been the same team on the road, and I think they need home ice advantage early on.
0: And finally, Grover, in the Metro. Who would give the Penguins the most trouble in the playoffs? For me, it might be New Jersey just because of the speed they got, but I'm not sure they could score enough goals either.
1: No, I agree with you, and I think we all have in our memory that last game they played against the Devils, and boy, the Devils were impressive. I mean, they were very impressive. Played with a lot of high tempo. They created a lot. They won a lot of puck battles against the Penguins. So, um, you know, I, 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 I guess I would have to agree with you, you know, Hopey and the Capitals? No, the Flyers? No, I can't see the Flyers beating the Penguins in a series. Nor could I see Columbus doing it. So, um, this is what I mean about this this division and the Penguins are the Penguins can do this. I mean, the teams that I think that are going to be the big challenge for them are either Boston or, or Tampa, whoever comes out of that series. Because boy, those are two great teams, huh? Uh,
0: no question, no question. But, but I'm rooting for Toronto to come out of the Atlantic rover because I'm sure the Penguins could beat them.
1: Yeah, I don't think Toronto's not ready to make a real serious run for a Stanley Cup yet. They're not good enough defensively. They got great, you know, these kids are great. They can score, they can skate, um, but they they just don't apply themselves without the puck consistently enough. I think there's still some lessons to be learned there. So if they were to come out of that division, uh, that would be a boon to whoever comes out of the Metro for sure.
0: Well, Grover, that's who I want to see the Penguins play, a team that doesn't apply itself consistently without (laughs) the puck. Well, hey, that series would be a lot of fun, would it not? I mean, there would be a lot of
1: goals scored probably in that series. And uh, if you met them and it was the Eastern Conference Final, which it would have to be, obviously, um, you can imagine the the nuttiness, right, with the Toronto media. Oh, my God. That that series would be off the charts crazy.
0: Grover, good stuff. We'll do it again soon. All right, Mark. That's Bob Grove from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Don't forget, we have more hockey talk next hour with the old 2-9-er, Phil Bork. In just a moment, I'm going to review the Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis. If you want blood, you got it. 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. How are you doing today, honey? Really good, sweetheart. Borderline violent. Very noisy. Absolutely beautiful. The X at 105.9. Earlier I talked about... uh, Mike Johnson, that goof on the NHL network, saying in the playoffs, defense beats offense. Yeah, except these last two years where the Penguins offense beat everybody. The Penguins have changed the cliches. Also on the NHL network, apparently there's some unhappiness and negativity in the Tampa Bay Lightning locker room. Unhappiness and negativity, despite winning six out of eight in March. It's not just a rumor. Stamkos talked about it on the record. Apparently guys are unhappy about being bumped down the depth chart because they got McDonough and Miller or because they were buddies with the Mestikov who got traded to the New York Rangers. I'm assuming Kucherov, the other Russian, is among the unhappy there. Yo, I hope that's true because if it is, that's why Tampa Bay won't win, because winning is a business, and Tampa doesn't understand that business. Hearing that should be music through the ears of the Penguins. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. I saw Death Wish on Saturday, the remake, Bruce Willis in the Charles Bronson role. It was a little cliched and an absolute bloodbath. But it's got reviews that are way worse than it is. And the box office ain't been good. And you know why I think that is? It's because we don't fight back in life anymore. We fight on social media and in the courtroom But we don't fight back in real life anymore. That's why all moviegoers watch these days is fantasy, like superhero movies. And the Best Picture winner was, what was it? About an alien and a blind person having sex. Personally, I think Jules Jordan or Brazzers could have done a better job with that subject material. Death Wish had no sex no rape, just a lot of violence, it's a release, like the Purge movies, or the Purge itself. I posted the trailer, a couple trailers for Death Wish on my webpage, and uh, one thing you probably saw, but didn't see how it plays out, there's a scene where Bruce Willis has one of the guys who killed his wife underneath the car. He's a mechanic. And Willis has immobilized them, and the car's jacked up, and he's right under the car. And when the guy finally gives up who helped him kill Bruce Willis's wife in the home invasion, Willis walks a little bit away, and the guy goes, You're not going to kill me? He goes, No, I'm not going to kill you. Jack's going to kill you. And he yanks the jack out from underneath the car, and the car falls down. here's what you don't see in the trailer. The guy's brains flying across the room. Just all this brain matter just squishing out and splattering over the floor. Now that is good movie making. I liked it. I'm not ashamed to like stuff like that. Like I said, it's a release. Let's go to Jeff in the car. Jeff, you're on The Mark Madden Show. Good first call of the day. We waited three, uh, an hour, almost an hour, 58 minutes and 49 seconds for the first caller to hang up. Okay, in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why if Arizona fires Sean Miller, their head basketball coach, why Pitt should hire him and not worry about that silly old FBI investigation. I'm also going to do a follow-up. I did a column for the Trib yesterday about Gino and how he might get screwed in the MVP race. I'm going to revisit how Gino got screwed last year when the NHL named its top 100 players of all time. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9.